Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week, we are going to be taking a look at Smartphone Inc. versus Mobile Markets. Mm. So Mobile Markets is basically the new and improved version, I guess, of Smartphone Inc., I would say. It came out, We I picked up a copy in Origins, and mm-hmm. we got a chance to play it a few times, and we're just going to kind of compare the two and see which one we like better. And then in our discussion topic, we're going to do top 10 thematic games, <laughs> which should be real exciting to hear <laughs> Natasha's list <laughs> since she's not, she doesn't care it, about any theme. But it was, it was tough. Was it? Was it difficult to put it together? It, no, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. I just went through my top 10, my top 100 games, yeah. well, like 150 games and pulled out ones that I thought were thematic and then ordered them by how much... Um, how much theme is represented in the game. So I ended up pleasantly surprised. I had more than 10. and, and um, But then I, there was a few games that I considered that are very thematic, but I'm like, oh, I don't really like them that much. They're not on my top 100. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just not good enough to make the list. Yeah, so. Do you know do you know what they were? Because I'm kind of curious now. Yeah, they, I'll, what, I'll talk about them. All right, perfect. Good, good, good. Uh, but before we get into the reviews, Natasha has been playing a fun game with her son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... My son loves life, and he's been wanting me to buy it for him for a long time, the game of life. And I was like, no, it's a terrible game. And we like we played at the library one time, and he just loved it. And then we saw it at a coffee shop one time and played it there. Well, Grandma bought it for him, and now we own <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. a game of life. <laughs> and one, it's in a giant box. Like, I don't know, it's like a Monopoly-sized box, but like three stacked together. You know, it's thick because oh. the board is big and it comes with all the plastic pieces like terrain you know that's in the board oh sure <laughs> and yeah. so you have to fold it up and it's like uh five or five inches tall folded up and then you've got the cards and the money it's awful it's awful one there's a huge setup because you there's got yeah, all this pile of money and it, there's no, nothing to sort the money in the box like it's just a pile of money and then like your raise you get these raise raises and that's like money like um paper money as well you add it to your income and it's literally just a roll and move a spin and move you know it's so bad Have you, <laughs> what, do you remember playing it as a kid yes i remember playing that and i don't know i i thought it was fun back then but obviously yeah i mean you get fond memories of just playing games as a kid but yeah no i can imagine trying to play that game now it just being you awful. just spin it and you land on a spot and sometimes you get money like oh um you got yes. a promotion. Make, you know, X yeah. more dollars. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and sometimes you land and like, oh, you need to do house renovations. Pay this money or you get a baby. Congratulations. And you get to the end and you count up all your money. Whoever has the most money at retirement wins. What was, explain to me, what was your life in the game represented? Oh, like, I was a um a sports uh, athlete. So I didn't go down the college track. My son went down the college track. You start the game a lot sooner. You get a you get an occupation. And I actually made $60,000 as a uh, famous athlete and I had no cap to my raises so I got a lot of raises throughout the game I made a ton of money he ended up being a teacher <laughs> with his college <laughs> education and made like $40,000 and it capped off at 70 so he got raises but then when it stopped when he hit 70 <laughs> jeez that's the worst and the and the you know what that just truly represents the system that we're we have right now <laughs> yeah. What a great lesson for my son. No, Uh, it was awful. You give him Monopoly to teach capitalism, and then you have him play the game of life to teach how how poorly we treat teachers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> he ended up with like five. I don't think you can get you can get like four kids in your car or something. I don't know. He ended up with a ton of kids, and I didn't have any kids either. And yeah, ain't, you ain't got time for that. You're an athlete. You gotta, <laughs> I got to train. Tra- yeah, travel in the world, and 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 then you land on these spots where you can spin the spinner, and and you could bet on what it's gonna land on and get some money. And he ended up winning some money that way and or you can sue the it's really really bad you just land and whatever it does it's it's bad have you ever played the game careers no that old game like that i i remember playing that i don't remember much about it but i thought it was a more improved version of Mm -hmm. life but yeah i would rather play monopoly i feel like you get more choices in monopoly because you're going to choose to buy the property or put it up for auction you know it's going to go i wouldn't say that monopoly is faster this game two-player was fine it did breeze along even though it was a little long track we still moved it along but there's nothing good about this game <laughs> nothing at all no i got a curiosity i gotta ask how what would you rate it i mean is it better than uno showdown yes because then nothing <laughs> <laughs> the, the music is not playing and there is an end in sight although one person can get to retirement faster because you just spin and move along mm. Then, then the next person, you just keep going until you're done. So it's not even like it ends. So there's no advantage to like getting, like at least you're like, oh, I'll buy roll tens and make it to retirement first. Don't matter. <laughs> just you kind of want to roll once because you want to stop on all the spots as much as you can because most of them will give you money in, instead of. How much money do you lose when you have kids in that game? Oh, I don't remember. You actually get like a um, life token every time you have kids. So that like that's like a token that you draw upside down. So you might get like ten to $50,000. For and having a kid? Yeah, every time you have a kid or just, yeah, gain a kid. And at the end, Man, your I kids wish. give you a retirement gift of $10,000. Each of your kids give you $10,000 in retirement. Um, but they really don't cost you much. I don't remember them costing anything. Man, I really wish you could get a fat check for having kids. Are you kidding me? Like, that would be <laughs> sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a surprise. You might get, like, 10. You might get 50. Who knows? Yeah, just whatever, would, whatever said, the government's thinking at the time. I think I would rate it a 2. I would rather play Monopoly. I'd rather play just about any other bass market game. I think it's like I think I'd rather play, even play Candyland because at least Candyland's quick. So and what? You can stack the deck. Do you have a game that you would rate a zero? Like legit? Is there a game that you know of that you're like no zero out of ten? Or is zero? No, you're I zero like one. my my ten. Like it's just not gonna happen. I yeah I don't I feel like it's a one to ten scale. So I put everything in one to ten. So one would be Uno Showdown. So you'd rather play Life than Uno Showdown based on those numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think we my family still has fun playing Uno Showdown because it's a big gag. So it does have that. That's just them trolling you every single time they bust it out. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. I I love going over to your house and then your kids are like, Mom, let's play Uno Showdown. And just the look, <laughs> the sheer look of like, no. <laughs> You cannot hide. You cannot. You cannot tell your kids that they can't have something because they only want it more. And I, that's why I have a Monopoly collection in my house. <laughs> I love of it all so the much. Bad Monopolies and now life. I just if I like internally, I f- I feel bad for you, mm-hmm. but you at don't. the same time, no, I do know. <laughs> like because mm-hmm. I I get it with kids. Like I have, obviously I have kids too, but uh so good, so good. I'm glad they do that to you. Yeah, they. <laughs> They just love playing games. I hate like that's that's their joy. <laughs> it's just messing with you. <laughs> All right, yeah. how about we talk about some good games, huh? Okay. All right, so this week I played Smartphone Inc. 
It is a economic Euro game designed by Ivan Lashin, art by Victor Miller Gausa, published by Cosmodrone Games or Arcane Wonders in the States. In this game, players are CEOs of smartphone companies trying to make as much money as possible. They're going to do this by researching technologies, developing factories, building a worldwide network, and outpricing their competitors. The smartphone is played over the course of five rounds, and each round is broken down into eight phases. The first phase of the game is the planning phase. This is where players are going to take these two different pads that have icons on both sides of them, and they're going to arrange them in such a way that the two are going to be overlapping, and then any symbols that are going to be shown will have effects in later phases. The second phase, players are going to set their prices. This is done by looking again at the player's arranged pads, and they're either going to be adding or subtracting from their price. Every player begins with a price of $5, but it will change based on the decisions that you're going to make in the planning phase. Next is production, where players calculate how many phones they have manufactured, again based on their pads. Phase four is improved production. This this either gives players an additional production each turn, or it actually gives them a little smaller pad that they can use during their planning phase to cover up different icons or add it to the pads that they already have. In phase five, players will research different technologies, like they can do gaming, battery life, 4G, because customers in later rounds are going to be requiring those different upgrades. Phase six is logistics. This is where players are going to create a network across the world to sell their phones in the different markets. Phase seven is the selling goods phase. This is where players will try and sell all the phones that they've produced during that round. In order to sell in different regions, players will need to have built their network into that region. Also, customers in each region might want different things. For example, some customers buy specifically on price. If your phone is priced at or below the number, you can sell to them. Others don't particularly care about the price, but they want specific features like, you know, extended battery life or 4G. You sell to as many customers as you can and lose any remaining production. The last phase is where players will calculate how much they made in that round, every good sold times their selling price. They also check to see who sold the most in each region, and they're going to earn points that way as well. Then a new round begins. After the fifth and final round, whoever has the most points wins. I think what makes this game interesting is the route building specifically because you can't just sell to anyone anywhere you have to like expand your network in order to get into these different regions in order to sell phones Mm -hmm. see i think what makes this game interesting is the um, initial mechanic of taking those two um card what are they called cardboard they call them pads Pads. it's like it essentially is trying to it's almost like a an ipad where they're going to have different like app icons but they Mm -hmm. relate to the different phases of the game yeah yeah you take you have these two and you they're double-sided everyone's got the same and you choose which side you want and then you have to overlap something you know one corner of it at least or multiple things will get you benefits it I, i think that's what makes this game so cool it's so unique That phase in particular probably takes the most amount of time Mm -hmm. because that is where you're making all the decisions for the rest of the round. Yeah. Do you want to focus on getting selling a ton of phones? Do you want what you want your price at? Do you want technologies? Do you want routes? Like you have to be really strategic about which which icons you're going to have showing and benefits you're going to get. And I think that's really really clever. It it definitely adds this unique aspect to the game where like you said you you have to think about all these things as you're arranging your pads mm-hmm. so you're looking at it and okay well i want to i want to make sure i get my phone price lower and one of the things i didn't mention in the overview is pricing matters for turn order so everyone starts at five whoever has the cheapest phone goes first 
So if there's two people in the same market, that one player can sell to the people first before the additional player can, Mm -hmm. you know. So having a higher priced phone isn't necessarily always good. Mm -mm. You can definitely make more money. And if you have a market where it's just you there, then you clearly have the advantage, Mm -hmm. you know. Then you can sell them higher. Yeah. 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 It's really, really unique and clever. And and I don't know why I didn't think about putting this on the top thematic games. Uh, Probably because it wasn't on my top 150 when I made it. A while ago, and I just recently played this game, but I think it's such a cool theme um, and something really unique. I love the idea of a modern theme too, like the, you know, a phone about making smartphones. I mean, a game about making smartphones. That's really clever, and it and it works. You know, it's it's one of those things that I feel is polarizing in some ways because I yes, I agree a hundred percent. I enjoy the fact that it's a unique theme. It does crack me up that you're researching 4G in this game, even though like at this point it came out in 2018 uh-huh. and we're already talking about 5G. So it's already outdated. Right. Yeah, but that's yeah. but that's technology. Mm-hmm. We have a friend who used to work for Sprint, I think. Mm-hmm. And so he used to sell phones. And when I brought this game, I was like, hey, let's play this. He's like, ah, I don't <laughs> think I want to do that. I think I'm OK. And and I can't fault that person. It's like. Why yeah, would but you... it's not it's not like a a selling game where you're trying to convince people to buy your stuff. Like yeah. that's already built in. Really it's the it's a very it's a very Euro-y game where you're it's really focusing on the mechanics of the game, right? That setting up that pad, how many action points you're gonna have in each area type of thing. Yeah, because you have to expand to these different regions in order to sell more phones. You can upgrade the type of uh those additional pads, because those pads so the two pads you get are basically two icons across, three icons down, mm-hmm. right? So you have a total of six icons that you can possibly have, and they're double-sided. When you upgrade or get those additional smaller pads, they're basically one by two. So now you have these two things, and you can look out and see what's available. And again, based on price, whoever gets there first, you might want to grab something from there because it'll help in later rounds. It'll help with research. Mm-hmm. I do like that. In this game, too, there's that little bit of area control. It's a very small, minor part, but whoever sells the most phones in a particular market is going to gain additional points. It's not necessarily a ton. You're talking maybe four to five points at most. Mm-hmm. But I do definitely enjoy that piece of it as well. Yeah, I, I was really pleasantly surprised when we played this game. It was it was a little it was pretty complicated. I thought it was a little, you know, a little bit to get, get into at first. You know, it took a couple rounds before I grasped it fully, but I really enjoyed it. Just because it was so unique, I thought. Yeah. And I love the look of it. It's kind of got this white background. It looks really clean and modern. Very like I, um, Apple look to it. And it definitely does look like a game <laughs> made by Apple. <laughs> um, that the other thing too that I want to bring up as far as the aesthetics is the main board. The main main board mm-hmm. has recessed areas in which you can put stuff. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I love that. Uh-huh. For whatever reason, just that aspect is just so cool to me. The fact that the main board has these recessed pieces where you're going to stack these little towers in the different regions. And yeah, it just, yeah, it's really cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Before we get into our rating specifically of Smartphone Inc., I think what we're going to do is talk about mobile markets real quick. Mm-hmm. Mobile markets is also an economic game, again, designed by Ivan Lashin, art by Victor Miller Gausa, published by Cosmodrone or Arcane Wonders. And it has a very similar uh, theme in which players are rival CEOs of multinational mobile technology companies trying to earn more money than their competitors. 
Mobile Markets is played over the course of four rounds, and each of those rounds is also broken into eight phases. The first phase players will do is the preparation step, where this is where they will reveal different round events. They will refill any card displays and add that round's customers to the board. In phase two, the planning phase, players will again take two planning pads and use them to uh, define their management decisions. Each pad has a variety of symbols on them, and these symbols correspond to the different phases later on in the game, very similar to smartphone. Some will set your base phone price. Some will give you currency to purchase different cards. Some will let you increase how many phones you can make. The main rule here is the two-sided pads you have have to cover at least one icon on a pad with the other pad. Phase three is the pricing phase. This is where the decisions players have made will affect the base price of their phone. All phones start at $5, but for every dollar symbol, it increases by one. For every negative dollar symbol, it goes down by one. This phase is extremely important because it determines order, which is a big deal. And I think one of, to get into a little comparison real quick during this, I think turn order in mobile markets is way more important than in smartphone. So this phase is really critical. Uh, phase four is the technology phase. In uh, turn order, players will have access to buying technology cards that give benefits in different phases or feature cards which allow players to customize the phones they are selling. Next up is the market phase. And then this is in reverse turn order. Players can purchase marketing campaign cards, which also gives benefits in different phases. Phase six is the production where each player counts how many good icons they have exposed on their pad plus anything covered up. And then any good icons on the event cards. And this gives them the number of phones they've produced this round. Phase seven is the sales phase. Players will create their phone by adding different feature cards to it. They will determine their net profit, which is their sales price minus any feature cards that cost extra. And then you're also going to subtract one on top of that. Next, they sell the customers. So in player order, you will collect all the customer cards that you can satisfy. There are three different types of customers. There's green customers will buy a phone based on low price or they will pay a higher price if it has features they want. Next, we have blue customers. They don't care about features. They only buy phones based on price. And lastly are the pink customers and these are the hardest to make happy. They're willing to pay high prices, but they have very specific features that they want. Turn order is very important again in this phase because if a customer is scooped up, you don't have access to them anymore. Lastly, in phase eight, you collect your profit or your victory points. You multiply them by the customers you have acquired by the net profit for each phone. I think what makes this game great is that tension in the decisions. Turn Again, going back, I can't stress enough how much turn order in this game matters compared to Smartphone Inc. It matters in Smartphone Inc., mm-hmm. but in mobile markets, it matters so much. All right, so... Mobile markets, really, they took Smartphone Inc. and they removed the board. Yep. And they streamlined a lot of it. It's a, a little bit simpler. It's easier to learn. I like I like everything about it, except for that you're all, instead of having a board and having to be in that region to sell, you're all competing for the same set of cards. And if you're first, the first player kind of comes in, sweeps it all out, and then the second and third player get very, very little. And that's my only issue with the game i think i like mobile markets better except for that one feature and i don't know if we just weren't very good at playing it you know we've only played it a handful of times you know so that might be the case but it just felt a lot more punishing if you weren't the cheapest uh phone i i agree i think they're i i liked mobile markets and i like smartphone i like them both i'm gonna at the end of this obviously i'm gonna tell you which one i prefer 
because I'm going to save that for right now. But the biggest thing with mobile markets compared to smartphone is that route building. Mm -hmm. So in smartphone, you're building those routes and getting into those different regions. So it feels much broader, you know, Mm -hmm. macro, whereas mobile markets, very micro, you're focusing specifically on the one market. So it's every competitor trying to sell phones in the US, Mm -hmm. whatever it happens to be. So And yet there gets to a point where turn order matters so much because if you scoop up everybody, because you could have you could have a turn where you produce 12 phones and have it priced cheap enough that you scoop up 80 percent of the customers. Yeah. And and the other players come in and might get two. Well, and the thing is, and the other difference between the two is in mobile markets, you're doing everything's based off operating profit, not sales price. Mm -hmm. So in smartphone, it's it's all sales price. Because in smartphone or in mobile markets, you can adjust how much your phone makes. So just because you have a phone priced at $8 doesn't mean you're going to be making 7 You could be making 2 whereas a person who has a phone priced at $4 is also making 2 mm-hmm. So there's definitely that push and pull of, you know, what do I have to put in my phone in order to be able to sell to these customers? Because obviously if your phone's $7, you're going to be selling last. Mm-hmm. And you might have to add a bunch of stuff to it in order to sell to the customers that are remaining. Yeah, it, it feels like it's got this like this feature too, where like if you sell really cheap phones, you can end up you can end up with getting extra um what's it called inventory or whatever yep. more phones built up. Yep. So not only are you selling first and cheapest, but you're you're able to you know get sell twelve of them. So that's scooping up most of the cards. I just I just doesn't feel like I feel like the whole goal of the game is to be the cheapest and get in there first. You know, and I, and I don't like that part about it. You know, we played a game where I, cause I felt the same way and we played a game where one of the people went the opposite way and they were selling their phones for much more. Okay. And they were making quite a bit more money and they did, they did not win, but they were close. They were second. Okay. They were within a handful of points. So well, that's good. it's nice to know that that's not necessarily the case, but it definitely feels like a fight for first player. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like round around. And in some games, you know, being first doesn't necessarily matter. In smartphone, the regular smartphone game, it matters, but not, but as, not to the same extent. And not, I think it matters later on in the game. Early on in the game, you're each in your own little region. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So you've got some time there for, for it to matter. And then you can kind of focus. I don't know. You can have one round where you might have high phones and one round where it's low price low and it kind of can change it up where this i feel like maybe we just need to get better at mobile markets and that's why i'm saying like i'm willing to keep playing it and see you know kind of experimenting seeing if it can work out but i'd like to see a strategy where you're priced high and can still win and like i said i did see it granted that person did not win Mm -hmm. but they i'm pretty sure they took second i'd have Mm -hmm. yeah i'd have to look but i'm pretty pretty positive they took second i mean it's a and again to go back to the theme and aesthetics follows regular smartphone Mm -hmm. Almost exactly. I really love how they eliminate. But it feels a little bit more streamlined. It feels easier. It does, definitely. And you have, so now instead of having this big gigantic board, you have these little like placards that are out and it's basically each phase. So you just kind of move this thing along and you do each phase and it's written on what to do in all of them. I do like the inclusion of there being three different types of customers. That's a little different than smartphone. In smartphone, you have customers that specifically buy on price or buy on features. This, it could be both. It could be neither. It could be just, you know, well, it wouldn't be neither, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> then it wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to sell them, I suppose. But 
it does give you something else to think about because mm-hmm. those paint customers are hard because they they're they have price and then they have specific needs that they want. Like you need to be able to sell me a phone at six dollars and it needs to have five G and it needs to have gaming on it and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So you need to satisfy those. That's where somebody with a low price can't go in and scoop those up. So you almost have to like focus on those. Mm-hmm. There are cards in the game in mobile markets that allow you to get your own collection of customers so you can have specific customers that are only available to you, which mm-hmm. I think helps offset that. Yeah. I think for that strategy to work, the high price, you're going to have to do that. I think that's what your biggest thing is. You're going to have to get enough cards that just pr- provide you. It's almost like having the Apple store. People are only coming to the Apple store, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think that's what I think. I think if we were to play it more, I could get into a little bit more of that and, and find a, a good strategy where I don't feel like we're all kind of doing the same thing competing for the lowest price and at the end of the day the pad thing is very similar between the two i love that yeah it's still fun there's still a lot of decisions you're making that i mean there's so many things that boil down to that and i think a new player might have difficulty because they don't know how it affects later turns even though you can go through like this is how it all works and everything every decision you make in this particular phase i think that first round in each game people are toward at the very end they're like oh okay I get it now. Mm-hmm. Like it makes mm-hmm. sense. It's For hard sure. to it's hard to get that. But yeah, mobile markets is definitely more streamlined than smartphone. I guess we can get into ratings. What do you rate the two? Yeah. I have to rate them both an eight because I like mobile markets. I like the mechanics of it so much better. I would have that would have been my my recommendation, start with mobile markets. But this the competitive nature of that one market is really what makes it kind of even with smartphone i like that going into them into the markets and having my own little area for a little bit that i'm not competing with everybody and so and i that might change if i play it more um i think my ratings might change and i'll find out that i like one better than the other but i for i still like the mechanics of mobile markets better but it's just not it doesn't feel as balanced as smartphoning sure for me i'm i give mobile markets a seven out of ten Mm-hmm. And I'm giving Smartphone Inc. seven and a half out of ten. Okay. I like Smartphone Inc. slightly better because of that route building. I think that has a lot of interesting things to me because mm-hmm. depending on your player count, you put up different things in regions that you can't actually sell to them. But if you establish a network there, you're just automatically going to get points. I think Mobile Markets is punishing, mm-hmm. and I think if a person who's played the game even once plays with somebody who's never played the game you're going to have a very clear advantage because you know pricing matters Mm -hmm. and i don't care how often you're teaching a game if you say listen pricing is a huge deal it's a big deal and you try to people aren't going to get it until they get screwed by it the very first time Mm -hmm. and i think that's the reason why i like smartphone over mobile markets mobile markets can be punishing when it comes to that Mm -hmm. i don't know how many times somebody's just like well i have 12 phones i can only sell to two people you know, and now all of a sudden you have somebody at 100 points and then somebody else at 40. Yeah. It just doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you're so far behind that you can't catch up. Yeah. So I think because of that, I, I prefer the smartphone. And again, I like that route building. For me, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Do I want to just go do my own thing over here or do I want to get in a space with Natasha so I can fight with her on some of these sales on phones? Mm-hmm. Maybe I want to do both. I really like that part of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I like the simplified part of mobile markets. I, I'm I wanna play it more because I wanna 
get it find find a strategy that works where I can where I can price them high and still win. Yeah, I can see that. And it's it's more streamlined. It's probably mm-hmm. easier to teach. So that game probably could hit the table more yep. than regular smartphone. But for me, I re- I really like I think I like smartphones slightly better. And I'm probably in the minority. I think a lot of people prefer mobile markets over smartphone. It's a little quicker, yeah. Too. So if you like economic games, I Definitely both of these, I think, would be good games to try, just knowing that specifically mobile markets can be punishing. Going into that, knowing price is a thing, I think, would make that game uh, the gaming experience better. Mm-hmm. But both of them, I think, do a really good job with theme. I do enjoy the fact that it's a theme you don't typically see. Mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend them if you like. Again, if you like these types of economic games, I, both of these games, I think, are really good. Yep. So that is Smartphone Inc. and Mobile Markets. All right, so I watched this show on Netflix. And I don't even think it's a new show. It's not a show. It's a movie. I don't even think it's new. It's called Hello, My Name is Doris, yep. and I made Bob watch it. He's yep. seen it now. I did, yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's got Sally Field in it, and she plays this little old lady who's lived with her mom her whole life and um, is totally like sheltered and um, is a hoarder, and her mom dies at the beginning of the movie, and so now she's trying to trying to like look back on her life and think like, oh, I haven't, I've never been in love or, you know, just kind of living life a little bit more. And she ends up falling for this young guy that she works with and she's trying to impress him. And she goes to this, this like, um, what kind of music is it? It's a techno music concert. Yeah. And so she shows up to this concert to like pretend like she's into this music like he is. And her niece dresses her all like, you know, tells her to wear neon clothes. And so she wears this ridiculous, like, yellow jumper and she goes to the show and fakes that she's into this music and everyone at the show just thinks she's the coolest person ever and um she ends up getting like to model for the cover of this band and he and this guy ends up thinking she's pretty cool and hangs out with her and they become these friends and and i just i thought the movie was really unique and i think sally field is just amazing and in it playing this little old lady and i like how um she like improves and like makes improvements in her life but she never changes who she is she's still this this lady that wears like these ridiculous old lady clothes you know she doesn't ever like become like this cool hip young person but but she does still work on improving her life and making you know making sure she's got time and and for her friends and and make building new relationships and stuff and i just really liked the movie what did you think bob yeah it was good i enjoyed it too the uh the her love interest is max greenfield mm-hmm. who uh, I really like him as an actor. He, especially when he played Schmidt in um, New Girl. New Girl, mm-hmm. I love that. That show was amazing. Yeah, and I he really was wish great. there was more. Yeah, so it. Yeah, I, the best part about that like techno concert is she shows up in. Imagine like those eighties neon workout clothes. Yeah, that's what she dressed up. Uh-huh. In. She got yeah. a visor and just like, and she like has like five or eight accessories that she puts on, on top of everything. Like she layers everything like a little old lady would. Yeah. And she's just adorable, but you know, I don't know. It was cute. It has the right amount of awkwardness to it. That it's super just like, awkward. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. You, you recommended it to me. I remember, uh, I think we, you recommended it at Origins, maybe mm-hmm. to me, and I was like, I got home. I remember getting home and being like, talking to my wife, and be like, oh, well, you know, we should, let's watch this. And my wife like liked it quite a bit too. Did was, you like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good. If you're looking for something unique and kind of quirky, I recommend. Hello, my name is Doris, and it was on Netflix. 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting And movie. Sally Field is great. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up our games that we've been playing. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to do our top 10 thematic games. Ooh, ooh. All right, we are back, and it is time to discuss our top 10 thematic games, which I'm really interested in your list, actually. like <laughs> I'm more interested to hear what you came up with than I was to put my list together, if I'm being honest. Um, do you have any guesses? Oh, man. I think, I feel like Scythe is going to be on there. Can I spoil it? Yeah, it's not, is No, it? Oh, I didn't think man. it was thematic. I thought it was very mechanical. Yeah, so let me explain how I approach my list. Is I did specifically... They're not necessarily arranged in my favorite games of like thematic order. It's how thematic I feel those games are when I play them. Yes. That's exactly how I did mine. And I didn't choose games that I thought had a great theme. Like I think um, I love Wingspan. I think it has a great theme, but I don't think the game really, I think it could be a different theme and the mechanics would be the same. It'd be the same game. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm bird watching. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I agree. I, I love agree. the theme, and we always talk about birds. Whenever we play it, we always get out um, YouTube and play the bird. Whenever we play a bird card, we always then play what the bird sound makes. Um, I've never done that, but okay, makes but sense. It's fun, and but the theme, like I feel like the theme is not in the game play and the mechanics. So I chose games where the mechanics really represent the theme. I did it based on how I feel I immerse myself in the game. When I'm playing the game, and I just feel so immersed in the theme and caught up in it that I'm invested in the game and that kind of thing, that's how I picked them. Yeah, a little bit. I didn't know so much that. So, yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to be different, obviously. Like, we like different <laughs> things. All right. So let's let's hop into it. What's your number 10? I feel like I might be contradicting myself. So I put my <laughs> game in order of the most theme to the least. So this is my least thematic game, yeah. and that's Three Sisters. <laughs> it's a roll and write. Uh-uh. <laughs> and it sure. feels really fun. The theme really shines through because, because you know, you have to plant the beans next to the corn and then, you know, you've got all these flowers in there and then you're making honey and then you go to the farmer's market. I think, I feel like, okay, yes, I did contradict myself. This game could be any theme and it wouldn't matter to be the same game. However, I still feel like there's a lot of theme in this game. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't. Yeah. All right. You do you. (laughs) I don't think it's that thematic. But I mean, again, this is, I mean, this is your list. It's not my list. My list is different than yours. (laughs) Okay. Three Sisters, my number 10. All right. My number 10 is Abomination Era Frankenstein. Oh. So this is a game where you're playing the descendant of Frankenstein and you're going around to like the morgue and the cemetery and getting body parts to build Frankenstein a partner. Because Frankenstein has come up to you and said, hey, I'm lonely make me another make me a person and it just this game is long and it like there's so many like thematic ties-ins like every round your ingredients that you get whether it be body parts blood whatever deteriorate unless you have an ice block so you have to make sure you have ice available to keep your body parts frozen in order to get a body part to activate you have to hit it with electricity and just like all these different things it just I think it does a really good job and I'm getting ready to like bust it out again because it's fall and this is the perfect game to play in the fall. Yeah, like, like Three I love Sisters. It. Yeah. That's a fall game. <laughs> it's got the pumpkins on it. Because <laughs> it grows pumpkins. It's so thematic. 
All right. That does sound really thematic. I have not played that one though. It's a yeah. I don't know if you'd like it. I think it has some decent mechanisms. I think there are a couple things where it's just there. It maybe is a bit much, where there's more minutia than there should be. But I think they do that because of the theme. I don't know. I really like it. Some people think it's long. I don't really care. You know, if it's a long game, I'm cool with it. So my number ten, Abomination Era Frankenstein. <laughs> okay, my number nine is Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. Now, I don't feel like Terraforming Mars is that thematic because I never noticed how the cards, what the cards you individually do, but I really noticed that with the Ares Expedition. Like, oh, I'm I'm going to drop an asteroid on the Mars and then I'll, we've got some water. I'm going to do this and it's going to heat this up. And I feel like that theme really um, comes through on the cards if you pay attention to the cards at all. If you if you don't, then there's probably no theme there. Yeah, so I... So I looked at terraforming Mars hard for this list and it just, I don't feel myself immersed in terraforming Mars. I love the theme though. Mm -hmm. Thematically, I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like you have to take the time to look at the card and like, oh yeah, that really makes sense with why I'm increasing my, this production now, but you can completely ignore that and play the game with no theme and it's the same. So yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah. You could be terraforming underwater. Yeah, or, just, be the same thing. or yeah. just yeah. moving cubes around. Yeah. That is my number nine, Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. My number nine is Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. This mm-hmm. is a campaign cooperative game where you're playing through, I think it's like 12 scenarios, I want to say. But you take characters, uh, they're developing stories, they're uh, going through and trying to complete a campaign, I think, I think this does a good job of making you invest in the characters you make and the decisions you're going to make and how the story ends up playing out. I really, I really enjoyed the campaign of this one. So yeah, I just think because of all that, any usually campaign games are going to be the more thematic games just because you know, you're invested in an overall story, but Mm -hmm. I think this one does a good job. Now, do you think that I would like this game? I've never played Gloomhaven. (sighs) Would you like Jaws of the Lion? Yeah, like, do you think I like the overall mechanics of yes. Gloomhaven? Yes, I think the mechanics, I think you would be interested in the mechanics. I don't, the problem I have is it's cooperative, mm-hmm. it's uh, fantasy, but I think they do some unique things. I think the combat system's cool with, like, pulling up the cards. I think there's strategic decisions to be made as to f- as how you place yourself and use your different, the cards in your hand. There's a, I think there's a cool initiative system by playing a card you know it has a number on it so you either go first or last i i don't know i'd be willing to try it yeah i don't like cooperative games and i don't like fantasy but i can put all that aside for really good mechanics you know if if, if i'm thinking and i'm i'm, I'm like what am i gonna do it, not just like let's see what happens if i play this card like but i want like a puzzliness to the game yep. and i think that this game might have it i'd have to give it a try but i also don't want to play gloomhaven because it's so big well, that's where I, so I had Gloomhaven. I was gifted a copy of Gloomhaven mm-hmm. and I started going through it and it was just too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I ended up when Jaws of the Lion came out, I scooped that up and my wife and I played through it and I'd, I'd be down to do another campaign of it. Mm-hmm. So there's two characters we didn't play. Uh, we can play another one. I would, I would say if you want, we can try it out and see what's nice too, is it teaches you how to play Gloomhaven over several scenarios. So it, and it gives you rules as you're playing. <gasps> It's my favorite. I know, right? It's You got to try it. I think you should try it. So my number nine, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Line. All right. My number eight is where I think I'm starting to get into a little bit more theme here. This It's Jamaica. So Jamaica is a race game where you're going around as pirates trying to collect money and you're stealing money and you're like, like shooting cannons at people and moving around this little 
the, the around the island in the water and you're on little boats trying to get around fast as you can. And I think the theme really comes through in Jamaica. Yeah, I, th- I would say yeah, I would say it's a pretty thematic game. Yeah, yeah. sure, I'd agree with that. That's yeah. fun. It's light. It's it's kind of got this cool card um, thing where you you play a card and you have a day phase and a night phase and and you think you've got it all planned out how it's going to work out and things get kind of moved around. But it's it's still fun. It's Jamaica, my number eight. My number eight is Nemesis, which is basically Aliens the board game. This is yeah. a semi-cooperative game in which you're you wake up on in a spaceship you don't know what's going on it has the intruders which are basically the aliens but i'm assuming because of copyright reasons or <laughs> they didn't have access to the ip that they couldn't name it that but yeah it just does a really good job of immersing you into that environment being somebody that watched the movies you know growing up i really enjoyed it and i think this this game does a good job of creating the tension that you would feel because as you move, you're creating noise. If you create too much noise, they end up showing up, and you're you like you can try to attack them. Sometimes it's not in your best interest because you're not going to be able to defeat them. I think it does a really good job. So yeah, I like this game a lot. My number eight, Nemesis. Probably a game I'll never play. Yeah, I don't think you ever will. No, that's one of those things that I'm pretty sure you'll never try. <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested. Yeah. I'll I'll take the glue. I'll take Jaws the Lion. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that, that one, as a win. Yeah. All right, my number seven is Super Skill Pinball Ramp It Up. Uh, there's another roll right but this one I think the theme shines through even where it feels like you're playing a pinball machine because you're kind of bouncing around and, and making all these choices but it's a roll right it's fun it's a it's cute and I think the theme really comes through I should play this I've I've heard really good things about it and I've yet to I've yet to play it so I need to play this my only complaint is it's a little long like especially for a rolling right yeah. for how light it is and tw- towards the end you're like you're just really limited on what dice you roll um, but it's still fun. Like it, it feels like a pinball machine. It really does. I mean, it's as close as you can get to a board game representing a pinball machine. And I like it because it's a theme that I like. Like aliens attacking a planet is kind of dark. Where this is like a fun pinball machine. It is quite a bit more bright and cheerful than Nemesis. Yeah, Nemesis it can be pretty dark. You got dim lights. You got to put on some like scary music. That's yeah. the way to do it. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like happy themes. That that's a, that is a um theme with my themes most of them are all happy yeah i have a couple i have a couple dark ones <laughs> apparently i like dark theme all right that's my number seven super skill pinball ramp it up my number seven is war of the ring second edition which is lord of the rings the game so it's a two-player game one person takes on the fellowship the other one takes on everybody else, and your your goal in the fellowship is, you know, get the ring, throw it in the fires. Your other goal is to basically, you have a couple different things you got to do. You basically have to take over certain areas and stuff like that. And if you do that, you win. The only thing I would say in a game like that is sometimes the ending can be anticlimactic because, like, one of the games we played, you know, uh, my opponent was playing the fellowship. And then when you when you get um, when you get there, you have to go through a series of like roles essentially in order to progress through. It's like a little track you progress through. And if you fail that, then you fail. Well, mm-hmm. he failed that. So I won, but it didn't feel like I won. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like he lost, mm-hmm. but it's still good. I think if you like Lord of the Rings, this game's awesome. It's one of those long two player games, but uh, thematically, I you know, definitely immerses you into that world. So my number seven, War of the Ring, second edition. Another one I haven't played. And probably never will. <laughs> yeah, no. 
Uh, I liked Lord of the Rings. I liked the movies, but that, uh, that's about it. Mm-hmm. No, the movies were good, actually. So. They were really good. Yeah. Uh, my number six is um, a theme that I don't particularly like, but I w- really like this game, and that's role player. So the theme is D&D. What? I'm mind blown. <laughs> my, my mind is blown. I'm sitting, what? But I love this game, and you're building a little character as if you're like building a D&D character. I think it's cool. Like if somebody's into D&D, I'd like play this game. Like, oh, there's board games about D&D. We don't actually have to play D&D. We can play a cool board game. But you get the theme in it, and it's kind of fun, and your character is good or bad. Or, you know, all these characters. These things are all D&D related. But I love the, me- the mechanics of it, the-, the dice manipulation and whatnot. That was my number 11. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I the My number one might be... I might be cheating with my number one game, so I might have kicked it out, but okay, it is what it is. Yeah, right. my number 11. I really like that one, yeah. Yeah, that's my number six role player. My number six is a cooperative game called Black Orchestra. This is a World War II game where you're... If you've ever seen the movie Valkyrie with Tom Cruise about how German soldiers are trying to assassinate Adolf Hitler... This game basically emulates that. So it has the same kind of people. It's, you know, you're trying to figure out ways in which you can assassinate Hitler as a German soldier, essentially. Um, this is also one of those dark themes, but I think it does a really good job because there are event cards. And these event cards are specific to what happened in World War II, like in the invasion of Poland. That's one of the cards in this game. So I think it does a really good job of providing that thematic feel with real events i think it's a really good game my number six black orchestra did you say it was cooperative yeah okay do you think i like it i like the, i think it sounds kind of cool i like the, the idea of the theme you know i would i think you don't would like event cards huh i don't like event cards the thing is the event cards are things that actually happen in world war ii it progresses mm-hmm. so it, it it's a time frame right it's not like one year it's over the course of world war ii mm-hmm. so what ends up happening is the board continues to expand as they invade other territories so you need those event cards and some of it they like open things up or different things happen and it's you know very thematic to what happened it's everything that you read in there is an event that actually Hmm. happened i'd be willing to try that one all right my number five is genotype medallion genetics game and the theme is obviously genetics is about beans, and I feel like the theme really comes through in the way the dice are um, rolled and used, and the way you can manipulate the the genome and 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 whatnot. And it's I knew this was going to be on your list. I should have instead of Scythe, I should have said this. That would have been my second thing I would have said was this game. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I, I like it, it, and I think the theme really shines through. And the, and the theme is what makes this game so good. I love a good science theme, and it's also really pretty and lovely, and and a, a nice midweight Euro game. Yeah. Genius Games does a really good job with their stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's Genotype, a medallion genetics game. My number five is Dead of Winter. I mm-hmm. love this game. This The tension you feel in this game, there is a caveat that you have to play with the potential of a traitor. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking if you have five people, you select six cards, and that sixth card is the traitor. So it's a very good chance there is one, but mm-hmm. there's a real small chance it isn't. It creates this tension that you feel, and it's not even, it's a zombie apocalypse game, which, you know, I I don't know. I love that theme, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily overdone. A lot of people do. I don't. I like it. You know, I've watched, you know, Walking Dead. So something like this, I think, feels really thematic to me. 
but it's more about that tension about all the other players and what they're doing because it just the way it all kind of comes together. I played this game a lot actually when it first came out and a lot of my friends really got into it and I really enjoyed it for a while. We were playing it all the time. I love the possible hidden traitor. What I don't like about it is that you have your own objective. Like I need to, I need six cans of food by the end of the game yep. in order to win. And some people care more about that than, than the winning the whole game. That's my only complaint with the game. I liked it quite a bit. and But then I think I played it too much, and now I feel like I'm done, and I'll just never go back and play it again. I don't know why. We're going to play it. You know that, right? Maybe. I mean, it's been... Don't even say me. No, I'm just going to I'm gonna make you play it with me. We have a convention coming up in Grand Rapids called Grand Con. I'm going to make you play it with me. Oh, I'll play it there. Yeah. No, it's. I love this game. It's a top 10 game for me. I, I haven't played it in... It's got to have been like five or eight years. I don't know when it came out, but... We played it a ton and then it just fell off the earth and I haven't played it since. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a fantastic game. I love it so much. So I it, it creates just the right amount of tension that I feel that I don't really know who do I can trust, who can I trust. Like mm-hmm. it, it just I think I, it does such a good job with that. We had a really great game of it with my husband and he was the traitor and he obviously he doesn't play a lot of games. So he was playing stupid the whole game, like he just didn't know how to play. And I was like, guys, such an idiot. No, you gotta do this. And and now it turns out the whole time he was a traitor. Oh, uh, he was he was bamboozling <laughs> he you. He was just playing stupid, <laughs> like he didn't know how to play. So good. It was a really good game, but yeah, I still think it's a good game. Yeah, I I love this game. So my number five did a winner. All right. My number four is Lost Ruins of Arnak. I think this game is great and it's I think the theme really shines through because you start off in just these little tents. That's the only place you can go to and then you've got to explore these areas and then you're also going up the expedition track, you know, uncovering technologies and whatnot. And I think the theme really comes through in this very Euro-y game. I, I, for a Euro game, I think it incorporates theme extremely well. It didn't make my list, but it was one of those games I considered. I, I So I rated my games on Pub Meeple mm-hmm. and it was one of the games that was included. Because I think it does theme extremely well. Same thing like Dune Imperium. Just the two of them, like, obviously, they've always been compared. But, uh-huh. yeah, I think it does a really good job with theme. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I consider Dune Imperium because everyone says how thematic it is. But I haven't watched the movies or read the books. So, to me, it doesn't feel thematic because I don't really know the um, the lore and whatnot like other people do. Um, but... But Lost Runs of Arnak, like you, you don't. Need, there's no movie it's based on. Like I get the jungle ex- exploration theme. You should read Dune. The movies don't represent the book. I heard they're a slog though, and I can't read they're, books d- that are okay. slogs. Okay, I'm gonna stop you right there. There's only one book. There's and then well, really, it's just the one, and then everything beyond that tends to be just like expanded universe stuff. But oh. Dune itself is not like a series; it's just one book, and that entire movie is based off that one book. But what it does is the book doesn't, you see a lot of action in the Dune movie, and that's a very small part of the book. It's more about Paul Atreides doing his thing than it is about- I should at least give it a try. Yeah, I think you would like it, actually. I think you should do it. All right, that's my number four, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Uh, My number four is Arkham Horror, the card game, the living card game, I guess. It is, again, a cooperative game where you're playing through scenarios. There's cycles where you'll play- uh, there's six mythos packs and then you get the base game, which usually has a scenario or two. So you play through these long campaigns. This game, I usually play solo. Uh, I, j- there's just something about the, the way the artwork comes together and that Cthulhu mythos, how difficult it is. The, 
like I said, the artwork does an amazing job of immersing you into that world. Mm -hmm. And then just, yeah, for every time I'm in it, like I'm, I'm in that game. I'm experiencing the story that it's telling. So I played Arkham Horror early on years ago and this, it's very thematic for sure, but I didn't like the game at all. And I'd be, I would be willing to try the card game just because I think it's different enough and, and part of the reason I didn't like Arkham Horror is because how long it was. So they did the third edition that just came out and I've heard it's better at, as far as streamlining stuff. I haven't played third edition, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't know. My Arkham Horror, the card game, like I just really enjoy that. I'd play it with you. I'd show you how to do it even though I've played quick, mostly. right? It can be. Granted, I mean, you're playing a campaign though. Yeah, oh. got to keep that in mind is if you do, let's say the Dunwich you know, legacy, you're, you have the base box and then you have six packs and each pack is its own adventure. So there can be quite a few things that you're going through. So it's not granted. I mean, you can play them standalone. There are some standalone adventures. Maybe we'll do that. They have a couple just random standalones that you can incorporate. We can go through one. I mean, maybe I don't know if it's worth the effort of learning that. Wow. Somebody's a curmudgeon over here all yeah, of a sudden. Like, I yeah, just, I'd play it. No, no. nah, nah. Yeah, We're I'm like, out. I'm interested in Gloomhaven. That seems, I don't know. I just, Man, you got, you got, you were like, I'm out so fast on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I changed my mind. Yeah, it was because it's a campaign. Yeah. What? Just, is, why Gloomhaven over Arkham Horror the card game then? Um, I, I, I'm interested in the mechanics of Gloomhaven. Fair. All right. Fair enough. I'll give you that. Well, that's my number four, Arkham Horror the card game. All right, my number three. This is my most played game of the year. No, it is not thematic. It's not the crew. Oh, okay. Nope, because I agree that's not thematic. All right. And that's not my most played game of the year. It's Awkward Guest. It's my number three. (laughs) Okay. So so you're trying to solve a murder. It's very thematic because you got to figure out who did it, why. You've got all these clues. And yeah, that's that's it. You're playing a detective. <laughs> so thematic. And I really like it. It's deduction. Um, I feel like the theme comes through a lot. Yeah. You know what? I've played it. And you know I'm not a fan of deduction games. But I this one I actually thought was pretty solid. So I think it does a really good job. And I, I can see how you would, if I like deduction games, I could see how you would immerse yourself in that story. If you love Clue growing up, you need to play Awkward Guess. It's like Clue, but for, but a good version of it where there's no rolling and moving it's just figuring out the clues and figuring out who did it and you know looking at the crime scene and 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 the weapons and and whatnot yeah i think they do a good job all right that's my number three awkward guess my number three is pandemic legacy season one Mm -hmm. i was so invested in this story and the way it played out and just everything it like and maybe I would because I was so immersed in it because I was just so looking forward to the experience of it. That's what makes it. But it just felt so immersive. I keep using that word because I just felt like I cared so much about what happened to these characters and the, how the story played out and the the big twist in the game, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not going to spoil. It was so devastating. I was so bummed when it happened that I was like, I'm not. I can't. I can't continue playing today i need to i need time you know and that's yeah. i think that says a lot about the investment that i had within that story is you know the fact that i'm like i can't i'm i'm i'm, I'm not gonna play another game tonight mm-hmm. i loved pandemic legacy that was one that's um one of my favorite games at the time when i played it and i considered it for this list i just 
think it's been so long since I played it. It's just kind of fell off my radar because I don't play it anymore, you know? Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I, I think overall the experience of it is extremely thematic. Yes. They do a really good job with yep. it. And the other seasons, I think, do an equally good job. Um, but I think the story in one, I think number one's the best. Yeah. So that is my number three, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. All right. My number two is one of my favorite games, and that's Blood Rage. And this is a game that it took me a while to finally play it because I didn't think it'd be up my alley because it because of the theme. And it just doesn't look like I don't I at the time. I didn't love dudes on a map type of style of games, but um, I really, really enjoy it. It's got a really strong theme, but it's also very Euro-y and not just straight up monster fighting. But I like the that they go to uh, uh, Ragnarok, you know, and they come back and it's you all mean Valhalla. Oh, yeah, yeah, Valhalla, not yeah. Ragnarok. Yeah, they go to Valhalla, and I, I don't know. I just like that whole Viking theme in, in a Euro-style game. I thought it was really good. And I considered all of his games because I think the theme is pretty good on all of them, but I think Blood Rage is the best mechanics to theme-wise. Well, and plus you can kill all your people and still And still, still win, win. Yeah, yeah, which is my favorite. Which we've learned is your thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there's a game that rewards you for killing yourself, yes, <laughs> like it, Natasha's all in on that. <laughs> <laughs> because I can't control all the people do to me, but I can control what I do to myself. Yeah. I can control when I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're counting on killing me, too bad, suckers, because yeah. I'm going down first. <laughs> Got him, coach. <laughs> oh. That's my number two, Blood Rage. All right. My number two um, is Star Wars Rebellion. I Yeah, I knew this was going to be on your list. Yeah, I, it should be my number one. It's not, mm. and you'll find out why, but... Oh, man, this game. It is Star Wars in the box. I've played the Empire. I've played the Rebellion. They both feel completely different. It just, just the amount of tension in that, the way you feel playing each faction, how differently it is. Is that the game that I played with you? No, that was Outer Rim. Oh, okay. Which was on my short list. It was, I included that in my- That one's very yeah. thematic. If you like Star Wars, you Yes, like that it. one is more like the bounty hunter side. This is episodes four, five, and six. If you get the expansion with Rogue One included, it is so good. Playing the Rebels, you feel so far behind. You just constantly just feel like you're not going to be able to do anything because you just feel outnumbered, outgunned. You're just trying to rely on, you know- these dodgy situations or whatever. And when you're the empire, you just, you have so many people and so many things and you're just constantly looking, you're getting so frustrated that you're not finding the rebellion. It just does such an incredible job with theme in that game that, yeah, I, I love it. I love that game. Mm-hmm. So my number two star Wars rebellion. Okay. So you might be happy with my number one choice. Is it, it a Star is, Wars game? It is a Star Wars game. No way. Yes, but my favorite Star Wars game is Star Wars uh, Risk, the Star Wars edition. Oh, yeah, sure. And I like it because it's it's light and simple and quick. Yep. But it feels very, like, I am not a Star Wars fan, although I have seen the movies, so I know Wait. I know the main themes. You want to like, take down the Death Star. Like you know, all the movies? Like all of the movies? I think, not all of them, like not the newest ones, but... um. I'll learn garbage but but i've seen all three of the the original movies and i know you got to take out darth vader and the death star that's a really important thing in the movies and that's what you do in this <laughs> this game <laughs> you know so you did you ever hear about uh star wars Queen, queen's gambit i've heard of it yeah so star wars risk is supposed to be almost like queen's gambit except for episode six whereas queen's gambit was episode one 
So it does almost emulates a very similar thing where you're fighting on two fronts. You're doing the space battle with the Death Star, mm-hmm. and then you're doing obviously Luke and uh, Darth Vader, that kind of thing. Each yeah. Other. Yeah. yeah, and you can yeah you pl- pretty much choose which cards you want to play, and then you reveal them and you take those actions. And so you might have a plan, and it kind of like pre-programmed a little bit like that. Um, but there's three different sections to it, and you choose which area you're going to work on, and you try to basically blow up the Death Star or stop them from blowing up the Death Star. It's two-player only. It's really, really good. The only thing is it's Hasbro game, and it's in a garbage box with garbage components. Do you um, own it still? Mm-hmm. I want to play it. I've never played it. You know, I've been so close to buying that game when it was out. Obviously, it's not in print now, but mm-hmm. every time I saw it at the store, I was like, oh, I got to pick that up. It was only like $20, too. Yeah, it was like it was like dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's crap. Like, the components are garbage. Um, and it's a little unbalanced and it's a little unclear. Like I've made a few adjustments to the rules so that because uh, we were struggling um, with one one side always winning. So I made a few adjustments to the rule and then went too far the other way. And so I've kind of been playing because I play with my daughter a lot, um, but okay. I haven't played it in years. But I, yeah, I, I'll have to um, bring it sometime. And we can play it together. Oh, I'm down for sure. I, I've been wanting to play it. And like I said, I, I almost kind of actually feel bad that I never did mm-hmm. because I've heard so many good things about it. You know, it's it's a. Uh, um, it's a nice, quick, light game. I mean, it's for kids. You could play it when I played it years ago with my daughter, and we enjoyed it quite a bit. Cool. And it's got these little mini Tie Fighters, and and it's cute, and yeah. When you when you like send them to you, pew 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 pew. Yeah, you yeah. got to. Yeah. You got to do the pew pews. Yeah, and and the other types of ships. I know there's um other types. Like yeah. like like Han Solo's ship, it's in there. Yeah, the aluminum Falcon. It's the, <laughs> and there's those. It's the Millennium Falcon. I know people. All right, don't email me. I know what it is. <laughs> and there's those like long skinny ones, like the three like long skinny pieces on it. Star Destroyers. Yeah. Um. Maybe I don't know. And the, and there's yeah, that big yeah. one that the the Tie Fighters come out of. I forget what that's called too. But Super Star Destroyer. I don't know. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> and the rule book is like, uh, one page folded in half. Honestly, I'm just surprised you picked a Star Wars game as your number. one. Yeah, it's good. The theme really, really comes through. Like you're doing like this little um, uh, lightsaber battle with you know Luke and Vader, and then you're doing you know getting to the Death Star and trying to shut the thing down. You know, I have to, I have to take a second and reflect on the fact that I have never played this game, and you have. And what does that say about me? Yeah, who's fair Star Wars fan? It's not me. That's no, it's not you at all. Like I said, I don't know why. It just maybe because it was a Hasbro game. I was just like, I should grab that. I should grab that. I should grab I think, that. And the next thing you know, it wasn't there anymore. And I was like, well, oh, well. Yeah. And it's really good. It, like, a, It's a really good mass market game. I don't know that it's a great hobby game. You know okay. what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think that you've heard such great things about it because everyone was pleasantly surprised at how good it was for being a Hasbro game. But overall, it's not like an amazing game. And I don't want to talk it up too high either. Fair enough. You know, it's still a light game. I still think you'll like your Star Wars games better. Yeah. They're more meatier, you know. Cool. But it's really good for being a mass market game. It's really, really good for that. And it's better than Risk. And that is my number one Risk Star Wars edition. All right. My number one, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of hate from you specifically about it. But mm. um, I felt I had to include it. And my number one is Dungeons and Dragons. That's D&D. not a board game. I it's a game. I said top ten thematic games, not board games. I said games. It's a game. It's hardly a game. It's an activity. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's very thematic. It's all about the theme. It's not about mechanics at all. 
You, it's 100% theme. First of all, stop it because you've never played 3.5 or 3. You've never played Pathfinder, okay? And when I say D&D, I include like Pathfinder and stuff into this. The thing is, at the end of the day, I wouldn't be in the board gaming industry if it wasn't for RPGs, if it wasn't for specifically Dungeons & Dragons. Growing up as a kid playing it, and then, you know, redeveloping my love for it after college and then going to conventions because of it. I wouldn't be, I would not have a board game podcast if I hadn't played D&D growing up. Fact. So, you know, and even like sure. it, it got me into playing Magic because I would always go to the the different stores or whatever. And that game is very much about theme. It's about creating a character, having investment in that character there are versions where they're extremely rule heavy, like Pathfinder, for example, which is based off D&D 3.5. It's all rules. Like there's rules for everything. 5e does a really good job of streamlining a lot of things, bringing back the rules a little bit to focus on that the character and just developing a story with other people. You know, your character has a personality. I love it. I had to include it. It might be a cheat a little bit, it's, but I don't care. It's, a, it's an activity about storytelling. Uh, no, no, it's not. Because the rules don't matter. You just do whatever you want. This is a rule of cool. You just got to be cool and it's fine. And I don't like that. You know, I like rules. Have you played? Have you? I have played. I have played. You have? Mm -hmm. Who was your, who was your DM? My husband and his, I played with my husband and his friends. And then my husband and I. He was just being being nice to you. He loves D&D. Yeah, because it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's thematic. So we've gotten into really big fights, like legit. Like it's gone beautiful. to bed angry with each other, fights about D and D and and if it's a game, you don't you legit you this is not this is no, not I, you giving me crap right now. You legit don't think D and D, you think it's an activity. You don't think it's a game. Yeah, I think it's it's okay. Fine, it's a game, sure, but it's not like a strategy game where there's like rules. Like it's just made up. Whatever you want to do, just do it. And I, I just that's you know. no, no, that's not a thing. Like there's there's strategy to it. Like what type of spells do you take for the day? Like when you're in a combat, okay, where are you gonna go strategically so you don't get hit? Like are you what kind of spells are you gonna cast? Are you gonna wait to counterspell the big bad wizard? Well, there's that. a there's a lot more to it than what you might. think. I know that it's complicated. That I know. I'm not saying it's not complicated. There's a lot to it, and it's not all in front of you. You gotta like you gotta like do some investigation before you play. I don't know. Not a fan. Either way. It's, but it is thematic. You're right. It's fine. That it's you. on your list. Thank you. I will take that. I don't know. It, I I originally made this list, and then I kept thinking about D&D specifically. And I, for whatever reason, I kept going back to, I listened to the Secret Cabal podcast, and Jamie did his top 100 games of all time a few years ago. And his number one game was D&D. And for whatever reason, I kept thinking about that when I made mm-hmm. this list. I don't know why I kept going back to that, but I kept going back to that. And I'm like, you know what? I can't not include it because of how thematic it is and what it's provided me or what I've you know experienced because of it. So yeah, I think it. I think it's wonderful that people love D and D. I don't ever think anything ill of people that love it. I just don't. That's fair. That's fine. All right. Well, my number one. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to Our Shenanigans. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook and send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone, and have a great week. See you next week.